Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Cage Bird Chronicles Season 3. As usual, y'all know the drill. All who are willing to listen are welcome. This week, we will be discussing fat phobia. Once again, lovelies, my name is Sydney. And I'm still Dana. I'm still Shelby. And I'm still Jesus. And I'm Darlisha. Hey, guys, it's Charlie. So... Everybody knows Jill Scott, loves Jill Scott, and if you don't, don't know where you've been. However, I want to say last year, sometime around the beginning of COVID, we had a little incident pop up of some bitch. I don't even remember his name, so he couldn't have been that famous, but apparently he's famous and he plays a sport, Um, had the nerve to open up his face and say something in regard to jill scott being sexy to which in my mind i was like fucking duh it's jill scott but apparently in this day and age people still don't find jill scott sexy because of her fucking size i think we um need to have a discussion on fat phobia y'all so his his name is kyle Kiero. i don't give a (laughs) fuck (laughs) his name for somebody else who would who who would like (laughs) The actual information. His name is Kyle Kiero. Who was significantly less relevant had the nerve to talk shit about Jill Scott because she's bigger. That's really where we're starting here. Yes. If we're being real, I don't even know who he is or who he played for. Um, So the fact that he had the audacity is just that. He had the audacity to, um, to, to disrespect the golden queen herself. That's like, that's like Bush saying some shit about Oprah. She don't care about you, man. Shut up. Like, first of all, that's a queen. And you don't talk about queens. Like, you don't make nearly enough money for your opinion to be relevant to Jill Scott. So, really, why are you talking? Right. So, <clears throat> um, with that being said, because we're all clearly, um, pro jill scott here because we, <laughs> we were all not blind or deaf and, um, and we know sis is all that and a bag of chips takis preferably he literally said people are attracted to jill scott question mark and by no means is she ugly but y'all really sexually aroused by her question mark and that's, that's what, what i said that mean? facts that's a fact <laughs> but so what is going to get into the fact that first of all niggas will always have the audacity and for some reason will think that when they explain the shit with confidence and sound stupid that we should all go oh no i totally get what you mean yeah that's understandable and justified all right now with that being said let's talk about what fat phobia is so by definition it's the pathological fear of fatness Another form of ableism generally characterized by an intolerance, prejudice, or bias towards people of a certain size, which is definitely relevant because y'all can rationalize some shit, and this is one of them. It's also totally relative because what's fat to one person is not fat to another person, and especially with women sizing is a fucking joke in the United States. So like, it, it's totally fucking relative, but we'll come back to that. Where did fat phobia come from? So 
It's actually interesting because we all know, um, it's commonly known that during the Renaissance, larger figures were accepted in European society. They were even appreciated. They were aspired to because larger figures were like basically symbolic of, oh, this person can take care of themselves. This person has money. This person, you know, is is luxurious. Um, so fat phobia in general, I mean, it, it existed before, but it's largely a byproduct of the African slave trade. And I say African specifically, and I will get into it in a moment. Um, but that just really, it bummed me out to learn while doing research for this episode that made me really sad because doesn't it always come back to black people? Like, it's always us. And I don't, I don't know what we did to make everybody hate us so we much. We were born at first. That's, a, that's fair. But yeah, no, um, so, um, during the African, and I say African specifically because during African slave trade is when it became important. This is like the early to mid 18th century is when it became important for there to be a distinction between the races. Um, so once Africans started being incorporated into normal society, it became very important for you to not be an African. So where Africans is basically a reaction to the savagery of African bodies and culture where Africans were fat and appreciated food and sensuality and things like that, it became very important for Europeans to be very controlled um, and thin because it's basically a representation of their self-control in contrast to Africans at the time. Um, so for white people, thinness became a demonstration of rationality and self-control. And we still see evidence of this today because weight gain or someone being fat is usually commonly attributed to a lack of control. It's usually determined or it's it's usually thought to be self-determined. So you assume that that who if a person is overweight, that they had direct control over that and chose in, to choose poorly. Um, and that's part of where fat phobia comes from. Before we even started recording, I said something about the fact that everything is planned. Like white people are a lot more systematic or at least mm -hmm. their forefathers were then they want to give themselves credit for because that means being accountable mm -hmm. but like you said in Africa like being bigger was a good thing mm -hmm. specifically in Africa like in that was, it was a good thing it was well, just yeah but we ain't talking flash. about them we talking about us <laughs> <laughs> okay but my people that was a good thing the same thing with like our hair Mm -hmm. like the creativity of our hair the creativity of our dance our dress our music our food all of that down to our language and our religions was all stripped away and that's just another piece of culture because like you said it's control and darwinism was about control and the whole like black people are not even people but mm -hmm. blacks are down here that didn't exist until darwinism and that was just another way to rationalize what they were doing but the fact that today we like look at our natural bodies people that aren't even by our standards within our own households big we still have problems and people still got some shit to say when it's natural for us even without the the civil issues it's natural for us to be more shapely mm -hmm. and to have fat in certain places the same way that it's natural for our hair to be curly or the same thing that is natural for our skin to be dark. For a lot of us, it's just what we are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're absolutely right in that it is systematic. Um, in that, like I said, 
this really only became, I won't say only, but this really kicked off as an issue when it became important to distinct, to make race very obvious. So like fat phobia really only became a phobia, really only became like attack worthy as it is now when it became important to not be fat as a demonstration of your lack of attachment to African culture. So like it, 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 it is systematic. Um, and to this day, it's holding not, not, not just us, it's holding everybody back in general, but it's, it's, it's sad how far these systems have perpetuated themselves and how deeply internalized they are at this point. And that's with us, that's with white people, that's just in general. Right. Okay. So I also wanted to make the point that, cause I was thinking about like my grandmothers um, and their mothers, this is new for us specifically, like on a, on a grander scale, like Western society, white people have been on the whole skinny thing for the reasons that you just stated. Mm-hmm. But for us, the fact that like our grandmothers and our mother figures were not the smallest people around, we used to celebrate that. Like when people referred to like their big mama and stuff like that, it was a term of endearment. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until recently when people got so focused on, well, we've always wanted to assimilate, but like now people are really hyper-focused on us just being like this one big, beautiful collage mosaic of people that everybody can do the same thing um, as long as we just ignore some shit. But I feel like that's when people started with the okay go ahead big mama and now it's like derogatory and it's mocking and it's not you know something nice to say about somebody but for my grandmama and my great grandmama like we don't call my grandma big mama I'm just saying but right (laughs) like if you think about them like you're not thinking of anything but love and warmth and like happiness Mm -hmm. but now it feels like they're over a certain size in black communities nobody has a problem with like making snide for snide remarks and thinking that you're supposed to accept it or just laugh with them or make the jokes before them you know and that's Mm -hmm. I feel like it's new and that's all I wanted to say well for me one of the irritating aspects of it is that it's just very reminiscent of the whole mammy thing that they had during slave times referencing how like before as you were saying like big mama and all of that stuff used to be terms of endearment but now uh we've twisted it around to where it's something that is now derogatory as you were saying which just brings us right back to the whole quote-unquote mammy phrasing that um Lizzo was just facing not too long ago when she was doing her rumors video so a lot of people came after Lizzo for her fatness to the point where she literally went on social media crying to have conversations with them. Like, not necessarily she's crying because she's big, but also she's crying because, like, people literally said, Mammy, and it was some of our own people. Now, the irritating thing is that it managed to change. We became so fat phobic and so fucking obsessed with adhering to European beauty standards that we're putting down our own people and our own natural God-given shit. And it's in some ways so fucking extreme that you have people like fucking Black China and Nicki Minaj walking around who are like 90% fake and plastic trying to adhere to standards that don't belong to, like that have been created 
technically been created by a white woman because Kim K was the first one to come out very exaggerated with all of that shit that they really praised for having that exaggerated body. And then next thing you follow through and you see less natural black beauty like we had in the 90s to more manufactured black beauty. And we continue down that godforsaken path and adhere to all of those European standards now making fatness a negative thing versus when it was somebody who was seen as more voluptuous. And now the terms that we had for people that were considered plus size, like thick or um, PHAT fat are now applying to people who are skinny, just have a little bit more chunk or thicker, it doesn't exist, but thicker bones in the areas that fucking matter. And so now the people that used to be called thick or what, what you would say, I guess, thick, fat, brick house, all of those terms that were used to refer to originally thicker women are no longer used for thicker women. Now it's, it's used for these slim thicks. The stereotype. Right. So I think to both of your points, actually, Sydney and Shelby, I think black beauty in general um, is evolving. It is, it's changing. While we did at a certain point very strictly want to adhere to European standards, I do think that, like you said, Shelby, at one point it was a term of endearment. It was representative of, of like warmth and kindness and stuff. But unfortunately, that image got warped with the mammy stereotype. And we internalized that so hard because you have shit like Medea where like nobody wants to nobody wants to be Tyler Perry oh sis don't get me started (laughs) but you have the big mama figure the maternal figure the matriarchal figure really that has been warped into the mammy figure and that's why it's no longer acceptable to be that person anymore because it's become a caricature um of like black black femininity in essence and Sydney to your point about plastic and all of that jazz you're absolutely right manufactured black beauty is starting to become the new standard so like now they think that if you if you're gonna get a black woman she's gonna look or she's supposed to look like Nicki Minaj or she's supposed to look like Cardi B um and that's you know that's don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with their bodies and there's nothing wrong with making alterations to your bodies if you want to but let's not pretend that that's natural and let's not pretend that's how women's bodies come unrealistic expectation let's also not forget that it's a trend and trends always fucking change absolutely not natural two decades ago and now it's natural now and in another decade it's not going to be something that's that's common do you or someone you know regret getting eyebrows tattooed in the early 2000s (sighs) you might not want to fuck around with trends that's a fact I mean, like body standards change all the time. Bodies, sorry, I don't know if it did, if my mic did it again, but body standards change all the time. I feel like we are evolving. And now, don't get me wrong, since I've been fat my whole life, and things have definitely changed since like the early 2000s to now, there has been a bit of evolution. Like there is more of a crowd that's willing to accept us. Um, but let's not pretend that fat phobia has evaporated. Um, or, you know, a general lack of body positivity for those who are considered bigger by whatever 
totally relative standard you've created to judge people um, on that. It's fat phobia is still alive and well, and the, it's just a byproduct of all of the nasty shit that we've been told about our bodies since we've landed on American soil, really. I guarantee you if we were all skinny and fit, they would say that we were too, like, muscular and dumb or something. They, they would do. find something. You're not going to please these people. They do. Athletes. <laughs> Go ahead, Lisha. That was my point. My point is, from a skinny girl, you guys can't see us unless you have Patreon, which I, you know, highly suggest that you get. However, um, when you are a woman like me that is a sprinter, has been a sprinter her whole entire life, that's just fuck boy. You get the stereotype <laughs> of, oh, you're too masculine. You right. need to be more feminine. But then when a woman like me that has a very high metabolism and has been trying to gain weight, not only just for to fit the trend, but also because I don't actually like the way I feel. Then you get into that, oh, well, don't get too heavy because then you run into a completely different problem that you already have and the the I guess the thing with me when it comes to fat phobia is I don't like and all of anybody skinny large not large big whatever you want to call yourself whatever label you put on yourself today my issue right now is this we all know that a body is going to shape itself differently regardless of if you have salads every day if you have a protein shake every day if you juice if you don't decide to work out if you work out whatever all body types are going to respond to everything differently even if the only thing that you had for a whole month was liquids your body is going to respond differently it's a health thing we're all not meant to look the exact same. So now you have a Nicki Minaj, a Kim Kardashian, a Black China, whatever, that all looks the same. And you have us here that we just go with the flow. If today I want to be a size two, I'm going to be a size two. If tomorrow I want to be a 14, I'm going to be a 14. If the next day I'm going to be a seven, I'm going to be a seven. Let's, let's not forget that that's a choice. Whatever I choose is okay, but don't sit here and act like it's acceptable to change the wording of something or change the way you feel about something because one person is doing it. Taking it back to the whole Lizzo conversation, the reason why she's getting so much flack is not because she is what's considered a big girl in society. It's because she has decided to embrace the fact that I am who I am. I am what I am. And if you don't like it, that sounds like a personal fucking problem to you. Yes, Monique did it back in uh, the last time she was relevant. Yeah. (laughs) Jill Scott did it. Jennifer Hudson did it. All of them did it. However, to a lesser degree, (laughs) 
Yes, Lizzo <laughs> was the first woman to go out in a G-string dental floss bikini, half clothing to a basketball game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I ain't never seen Monique Jennifer Hudson or Jill Scott. I ain't never seen nobody do that. I swung. Prince did it. Sitting down with they boot that close to the seat. Prince was it? Yeah. Prince, Prince had ashless, assless chaps. She just had an assless dress. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Well, there we go. I've been, no, I've you're absolutely right. She's unapologetic. Correctly. But that's the problem. The problem is not that a woman has what is considered a few extra pounds on her. That's not the problem. The problem is you're mad. Let, let's break it down and let's be honest. You're mad that a woman has the audacity to look in the mirror and say, damn, I'm fine as hell, regardless of what the mirror is showing back at her. And you're mad. Because yeah, they're mad. She won't assimilate. You, you're, uh, you are literally upset because how dare you not sit here and look how I want you to look, but mm-hmm. you still make bomb music. I don't personally listen to her, but that's because I have old soul and I really don't listen to nothing new. Oh, her music ain't that bad, girl. It kind of got a yeah, little old listen. feel to it. I, you know, that may be something that I need to work on. However, that's the problem. It, the issue is not that the woman is too big until you know we're going to get later on in the podcast and have the other side the what the issue is how dare you not look how I want you to look how dare you not fix your eyes to make it seem like the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder that is the way the sentence goes because you're not beholding me doesn't mean I don't have beauty like f you and your beauty standards she needs to look how she wants to look she's going to look how she wants to look, when she wants to look, and however long she wants to look that way. And if she decides to go from being a size 32 to being a size zero, that's her fucking business. And guess who should not be shamed for deciding to do that? Her. If she wants to go from a size zero to a size 68, that's her fucking business. And guess who shouldn't be shamed for it? Her. Because she's doing what the fuck she wants to do and she's happy with her size. Leave her alone. Let her be. So, yes, that's a good segue too. Um, because I think that a lot of our problems is that people feel like there should be shame in certain things. Uh, first of all, I just want to say it's not always a choice because um, I, I have PCOS and I didn't know what my, the fuck my problem was because I'm pretty sure Jesus, can, Jesus was there in high school. I've always eaten like a fucking rabbit, but I literally hit puberty and can started confirm. gaining weight. Can and it's, confirm. Can confirm, always. I went to the cafeteria. I'd be like, hey, lunch lady, like we friends, right? I can get a salad, sis. Can I just get two side salads? Okay, we cool. See you later, girl. Like I've always been this way. But once puberty hit, I did start gaining weight and like stuff started changing. Like I had mood swings that were more dramatic than like, say my sister had when she hit puberty um, because she's older. So like mine were a lot bigger or like I'd have like depressive swings, which I didn't realize until I was an adult is what was happening. 
and it wasn't diagnosed, but I kept gaining weight and it wasn't like a normal person gaining weight. It was just like, oh, uh, over summer, you got 40 pounds, girl, congratulations. And I did things in school. Um, before I went to the school that Jesus went to, I was in color guard in Florida where we had to practice every day for six hours in fucking a hundred degree weather. And Speak the, about only it, time, sis. the only time we didn't have practice is if somebody from the football team passed out during practice. Speak that about was how it, they could tell whether or not we were going to like run. We had to go outside. We had to run for warmups. Then we had to jazz run as the actual exercise. And then we would stand on the field and run shit for hours. So it's not like I was not fit sis has always worked out was on the basketball team in ninth grade like I've been doing shit I've never not been active but it's not always a choice especially if you don't know and especially in black families where we don't have access to health care or education on certain things including the fact that most of the food that is given to us and is told is acceptable food is fucking not acceptable and most of the people that tell us to eat it wouldn't buy it and eat it themselves because they know fucking better. And we don't. Well, I know better, but you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of us don't know. And we've had these conversations about where we sit in regards to the poverty line, but it's not always a choice. The point is people want you to feel shame. And when people say, no, I know what I do. I know how I live my life. I'm a good person. I think I still look good. Um, and I know people that are not my size that are unhealthy. So why should it matter what I'm eating or what I'm doing if I'm minding my business? But people want you to feel shame for things because society says, this is the type that everybody should have. You should be looking for this. And if you can't get it, shame it. And they should go along with that. Yeah, absolutely. There's this expectation that if you are of a bigger size, and this is with women, and I think it's with men too, because you can probably help us with that. Um, there's this expectation that if you are, I'll, I'll use the term of size, um, that you should feel bad about it, that you should be hiding yourself away, you shouldn't be, you know, wearing what you want to wear, doing what you want to do, because if you are living your life like you are not, you know, ashamed of yourself and your body, you are in somehow, some way glorifying obesity because you are existing in your current state and not actively hating yourself. Um, there is this expectation that if you are of, of size, you cannot be confident, you cannot be, or you cannot consider yourself beautiful because society doesn't consider you. Ugh. I was about to say white society, but it's really just everybody at this point because society doesn't consider you beautiful because you are not... A, uh, you are not achieving or attempting to achieve societal standards. You should be ashamed of yourself. Or succeeding in your attempts. Right. You should be ashamed of yourself. And that's an unfair and also unrealistic expectation because do you really want somebody to walk around? Oh, y'all do. I don't know why I'm asking this question. Um, <laughs> like fat phobics do. But like, do you really want somebody to be walking around just constantly hating themselves for this, the existence that they're currently living? Because I tell you what, somebody who's been there, that is not the way that you make positive change. It's also a sucky um, feeling to give somebody to be like- It is. Hey. It's a sucky feeling to willingly want somebody to feel. Because like, if you go out of your way, and I'm going to say this, we're probably going to come back to it with the next point. But if you were one of the people that goes out of your way 
to make your opinion known on somebody's body. Like if somebody's like, if you're one of those people who leaves comments on TikTok about, you know, the, you're on big girl TikTok and you feel the need to leave, oh, she fat, whatever, comments oh, on this. Oh, you can be big, but you ain't got to dress and do all that. Get the fuck off of her yeah. page. If like, you're one of those people, first people of all, do you not have anything to do? Like, do you not have like a friend, a dog, a hobby, a job? Like, do you have nothing to do but comment on somebody you don't know's body? Why are you so concerned? Okay, so hopefully this ties into both what you're about to say and what Sydney's about to say, because this is the perfect segue into the fact that fat phobia is one of, I don't even want to say one of the only types of biases, because it's a laundry list, and I don't want to claim that it's one of the only biases that's still commonly considered, but it's prevalent, um, considered acceptable, because most people who have fat phobia or exhibit fat phobic qualities, cite concerns for health or welfare, which is bullshit. Because like I just finished saying, I've always done something active and always eaten like a rabbit. And I've always had better vitals and blood work than most people in my family. But I'm big. My blood pressure, literally every time I go to the doctor, I've had doctors tell me that I have the blood pressure of a teenager with no problems. Bitch, I got problems, okay? But it doesn't seem like it because of the way I live my life, a bitch is still big. So you're not minding your business because you don't know what the fuck people have going on, number one. And I know a lot of smaller people who are ideally what people are looking looking for, at least that's what y'all are telling everybody that's what you're looking for um but those people are sick and not like just oh they get coughs and and sneezes every once in a while I mean like chronically ill and they don't eat the same way that I do and I'm not saying that you know people are, are just lucky and get skinny but I'm saying that you can't judge anybody by the way that they look and like I I'm always saying a lot of this shit could just be solved if you mind your fucking business because there are plenty of people who see bigger, smaller, shorter, taller, wider, thinner, flatter, what the fuck ever. And that's what the fuck they like. But y'all are teaching people to feel shame, not just about themselves. And you want people to be, and I'm saying this as somebody who has, I've, I haven't always been bigger, but like I said, puberty, I started to get bigger substantially. Um, but it was noted as it happened. And that creates stuff, well, something inside of people. And it's not a good feeling, which is why I said it earlier, that you literally want somebody to exist in a shell of a person and make themselves smaller. And if they can't do it physically, they're going to do it in every other way except for the stereotypical like big person who's jolly and fun and loves everybody and is friends with everybody because people are going to try to find their niche their place in society and you're giving people limited options based off of your fucked up opinions and that's not fair to anybody especially if you're one of those people that is a quote-unquote ally for black people for women for LGBTQA plus people, you're a fucking hypocrite. 
because you take it and you apply it to something that you can rationalize because you you so-called care about people's health and their welfare. And in 2021, there's way too much information floating around for you to actually think that that's valid reason for you to open up your mouth and talk to somebody about the way that they look and make assumptions. Well, first and foremost, when people are citing or saying the things that they're saying and then saying, hey, it's for health or welfare, first of all, no, it's not. And one of the reasons why I say that it's definitely not is because you don't care about anyone's average health on a regular day. Um, If you need an example of that, you can take a look at the last year and a half when it pertains to COVID and half of y'all can't even put a goddamn mask on, Um, especially when you're in the gym and people are trying to work out and shit like that. Like you, you definitely can tell that you don't really give a damn about anyone else's health care. Oh, and also we still don't have like universal health care or anything like that that's going to be able to protect people. So don't tell me that you care about my fucking health and about my fucking welfare when in actuality you don't. But I am curious um, because we've talked a lot about how women's bodies. Shelby, to your point, you're absolutely right. The, the assumption when you talk to somebody, feel the need to put you know, a nasty comment in a stranger's inbox about their body and then pretend that it's because you care. You've made several assumptions before you hopped in their inbox or you hopped in their comment section. You've assumed that the fact that they're overweight is their choice. You've assumed that the fact that they're overweight means that they're, you know, they're lazy or they're, they, they lack self-control or they don't know whatever it is that you are about to say, which I guarantee you they know most. You are not offering any fat person any sort of earth shattering information when you hop in their comment section. You know, you can get hypertension and heart disease like i'm fat you know, every no day. fucking shit told me. yeah exactly thank you doctor but you know everyone's been, doctor has been telling me that since i was seven so thank you for your for your mind-blowing information that you left on my tiktok but you know it's it, that's a googleable fact you're not changing anybody's life by posting harassing messages on their on their social media under the guise of oh i'm just i'm trying to help you or i care about your welfare first of all no you don't you don't know me So like, there's a difference between having a personal conversation with a loved one and they're like, hey, look, I've noticed you put on weight and I'm concerned because, you know, fact is a fact, having more body weight can contribute to some, you know, negative outcomes depending on how your body holds it. Some people's bodies are not meant to hold fat like other people's bodies are and their bodies react to that. So that's just a fact. So there's a a difference between a loved one coming to you and being like, hey, I'm concerned because X, Y, Z, and some stranger online just feeling the need to offer you their opinion, their totally unsolicited opinion on your body just because you've put yourself online and they think that that somehow gives them a say and a right to what goes on. Um, And the assumptions are one like I said they're super harmful but they're they're just ridiculous because like you said Shelby it's not a choice like it's not always a choice it can be of course it can be because you can definitely deliberately make yourself overweight you can definitely accidentally make yourself overweight um like it can be and it can be attributed to a lack of control but when you just assume that somebody who's overweight has done so themselves 
has and has chosen not to do anything about it because a lot of people who are overweight are probably doing something about it in general. Um, you've made some assumptions that one, they're irrelevant because I don't know you, and two, they're not. You're not. You're not changing anybody's life with the shit that you're saying. You're not helping anybody with the shit that you're saying. You just want to get it off your chest because you're uncomfortable with how I look and you're uncomfortable with how comfortable I am with it. It's manipulative and it's abusive. And now Jesus is going to talk about it from the perspective of a man, but not all men, because they are not a monolith. Jesus, take it away. Thank you, Shelby. So, yeah, I'm just a guy. I'm not a monolith. Um when it comes to like body the body positivity movement, firstly, again, like Shelby said, I only speak for myself. So I'm kind of an introvert. I kind of don't post at all on any social media in general. I just people watch on it half the time. So it blows my mind when I see guys comment on people's posts, the half the shit that men say on anyone's posts. It can be about anything and they'll say some fucked up shit, some weird ass shit. I've seen, I've had friends of mine that show me their dms and i'm like what the fuck why who would say that to you in your dms or what have you like i always have to apologize for my half of the speech they're fucking retarded but <laughs> it's not as you don't speak for all men it is not your job to apologize for all correct, as long as you're correct. not doing this you're good <laughs> but but it's, it's annoying as shit but on the flip side it's it's funny how um how even though men are are always from what I see on social media, commenting and posting on people's feet, on people's things, there are a lot of different image issues that men have as well that a lot of people don't even think about. We're always meant um, to think to be the strong person that can, you know, be effective in a combat situation or effective to protect the family from like attack or some shit like that. So it's all it's it's an it's um I'm losing my train of thought. Sorry, I'm a little high, but. Um, <laughs> but it's legal here. It's legal. It's legal in Virginia. No, you're we're, totally we're, right. Like, there's unrealistic but, expectations on men too. Correct. Yeah, there's unrealistic expectations on men, especially when it comes to being fit versus being fat. Although it is a little bit more accepted for men to be fat. That is a, that is a, a a little bit of a thing you see here, especially in the United States, especially down south. I mean, a little bit, but like, have you been on TikTok because? Uh, bigger guys are getting just a shit on. I follow a lot of big guys because I like big guys. So I follow a lot of big guys on TikTok, right? And their comment sections are just as nasty. Like it's, I think online has something to do with it because people are a lot more open with their hate speech online than they are in person. But like just That's... bad people in general, men in general as well are having the same issue. Like bigger guys are like, are getting the same nasty comments. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I want to say, as a woman who is in the category of what people call thin, that is married to, I call him a large man because he is large to me. That is my perspective. Because if we stand, if he stands in front of me, I disappear. I want to make that known so people don't go, oh, she's body shaped. No, my husband is big enough that if he stands in front of me, I'm gone. I'm short, okay? For reference, I'm 5'2". Putting that out there. I feel like my husband 
from the time that we've met each other till now has gone through a, tra a transition. He was in the military. He's no longer in the military. He was medically discharged. So there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. If you know, you know. But essentially, he was put on steroids for a year and was forced not to work out for a year. Anybody who's ever taken steroids in their entire life knows that it does absolutely nothing but add on weight to your body wherever possible. When my husband left the military, he was considered obese. And that is now a disability for him. If you had Patreon, you could see me squinting my eyes. Obesity is not a disability. Being overweight is not a disability. Not being two pounds is not a disability. And especially with our men, women, we need to be very conscious of the difference between a preference and you just being an ass. You need to be very, very specific because you don't know what that man that you just decided to insult is going through. And I'm being very specific to men because that's where we are in the segment, but I need you guys to understand that this goes for all, but specifically men for this segment, you don't know what that man has gone through and you've decided that it's acceptable to bash him to, to, to when he's trying to have a conversation with you on the street to now you automatically want to, you not my type, maybe drop a hundred pounds and we'll talk about it. Maybe get a six pack and we'll talk about it instead of six packs of rolls. Honey, let me tell you something. In the wintertime, you gonna wish that he had them six pack of rolls that you sitting here making fun of because it gets cold at night with your little bony ass. I know, I'm bony. That's just some fishy, fish stick energy. I feel like fishy fish, fish. It is. Thank musty it energy. It doesn't make sense. And it's like, you know, in, in a general sense, both men and women, we need to stop being so damn judgmental because when you're in that spot and it's you gaining weight because of a mental issue, a mental situation, or it's you gaining weight because of a diagnosis, an improper diagnosis that a doctor is giving you. And now all of a sudden you've gained 200 pounds because of a, a medicine that is supposed to make you feel better. You're going to want sympathy. But all up until you've given no sympathy at all. If he don't got a six pack, then I don't want to talk to him. If he can't roll his whole body at a click of a thumb, then I don't want to talk to him. Let me tell you something. Some of the best people that I've ever been in contact with was not a hundred pounds. Some of the best people that I've been in contact with, I can't share clothes with. And guess what? That doesn't bother me not one bit. Why? because I'm a decent human being, one. And then two, the shape of your body does not determine who you are as a person. And y'all are too fucking busy worrying about the shape of somebody's body. Like, do you not know that that man with that six pack can be an ass wipe? 
a whole ass wife that don't even know how to count to 10. But that man over there that you call fat, that you call ugly, that you sitting here downgrading because he don't look how you want him to look, will treat you like a queen and give you the world, the entire world on a silver platter, the whole world. And you want him over there that can hula hoop with a Cheerio. Go ahead, sis. I was just singing. Oh, okay. Um, Well, first I was going to bring up the fact that in one way, I think it's being brought up as a disability because a lot of doctors are seeing how difficult it is for people to actually lose weight and are considering it a disability at that point for being excessively overweight in addition to like how the obesity is now officially, I think, declared an epidemic in the United States because of how fat people are growing to be, but it's uh, contradictory to how stagnant they're making work and and school life, but we're just going to push that off to the side for another conversation. Yes, it is fat phobic, Um, but Garlisha, you really uh, felt a certain way about that just now. I did, because it irritates me. People don't, people attack my husband for no reason, and I don't like it, because even if that is how he wanted to be, it's not his fault. Right. And that's not fair. That's not fair that you attack someone because of what they look like, and you have no idea the character of that person. Like, I've I've known my husband for five years and we've been married for going on two. And if I told that man right now that I wanted a Maserati fully loaded, he would find a way to fucking get it. And no matter what. And it irritates me because you as a society are not going to sit there and think it's acceptable because of the way a person looks on the outside to determine whether or not that person is good or valuable enough to be married, valuable enough to be loved, valuable enough to feel the type of love and emotion and physical connection that you feel as a skinny person, like you've lost your mind. You have really lost your mind. I've been in love with a skinny man and I've been in love with my husband. And I can tell you 1,048,000% that if I had to go back and live my whole life all over again, I would never date anybody but my husband. Period. It has nothing- Compliments to the husband. No, but seriously, like my husband is A1. Y'all need to get you one, just not mine. I'm so, I just wanted to acknowledge. I I got my big man for the record. I'm so weak. I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that Darlisha felt away for people who could not see her because you're not subscribed to Patreon. But I did want to um, touch on Sydney talking about the fact that fat phobia is being diagnosed because of um, the rate at which people are, I guess, clocking in, checking in at higher weights. Um, first of all, the DSM is bullshit. Or what is it? The DSM is the book. The body mass. BMI. That shit. That, yeah. yeah, that shit um, is bullshit. And it's not, it's a math, it's a math equation. It's not scientific. It's 
not based off of the individual that it's being applied to. So for example, at my lowest weight, I have pictures. My fucking head was too big for my body, y'all. And at that time, my doctor gave me a weight 60 pounds less than what I weighed at that time. Sis got not a booty, okay, but sis got boobies and sis got thigh. Sis got shape. Sis would never reach that goal. So no matter how hard I try, I probably would never want to even be the size that a doctor thinks that I should be. But the fact that it's, it can be diagnosed as a disability, that you're above a certain weight and citing it as a health issue is fat phobic because you're not acknowledging the fact that a lot of those people are not unhealthy just because they're fat they're unhealthy because they're operating within a system that makes it hard for them to be healthy. And the fatness is sometimes a symptom of all the other shit, not the cause. Or it's going to lead to all the other shit because of systematic stuff, like we were talking about earlier, food deserts. If you fix the fucking food deserts, people would have quality food and you would be eliminating the actual health risk And then you could go back to minding your fucking business and not wondering about what people's size is because you'd be doing your goddamn job. Yeah, the measurements that we have that define obesity, that define, you know, being overweight are completely skewed. They're completely biased because they're only based on one kind of people. White is the standard for so much that we don't even think about. And this is one of those things that's included. This is BMI standards are based on European body standards. And as we've discussed, since the 18th century, they have tried their damnedest to be as small, as thin, and as graceful as they possibly can. But you can't apply that same system to all bodies. And when you apply that system to all bodies, you get a biased system that says that everybody that is not this standard is somehow wrong, is somehow incorrect. Um, I will say, like to Sydney's point, obesity can be a disability because you can be so morbidly overweight that you are unable to perform basic tasks like you can't you know walk up and down stairs anymore you can't clean yourself you can't do certain things you can get to a point where you are overweight to the point where you can't do certain daily tasks certain life certain life things that you should be able to do as a functioning adult and that's when it's a problem but i mean most of the time Um, when people are fat shaming people online or, you know, in person, it's, it's not usually that person because those are very rare cases of when those things actually happen. Um, It's usually just somebody who you're slightly uncomfortable with their body type, because to you, the worst thing you could possibly be is fat. When we're talking about people and their illnesses, I already kind of touched on this, talking about like the food deserts and access, but I know everything comes back to race, but Dana already said it at the beginning of this episode that it, it starts with Black people. Um, but not just that, and this is why I said what I said about the whole fat being a uh, epidemic, I think is what Sydney called it, is fat phobic, but it's also racist because 
a while ago, I don't know if you guys remember, there was this whole big uproar because a lot, we people were realizing that a lot of medicines were being put out and the side effects were not truly reflective of what they were because most of the test subjects were white men or men in general, and they weren't including women. And when it comes to women, you have to think about an entire different set of hormones, um, specifically like our menstrual cycle, which throws things off and our bodies react differently to medications. So women were out here getting sick and having side effects and having no idea what it was because it wasn't listed on the medications they were taking. Um, I think that's the one that I originally read. Yes, Darlisha. Um, Lisnapril, I think that's how you say it. Um, but women were getting sick because they weren't even thought about in these studies for medications or just for research purposes and knowledge purposes. But I say that going back to the BMI, um, like Dana said, that that's based off of white people. And I feel like the reason why it's so easy and still acceptable to be fat phobic is because people can rationalize it because nobody cares to consider stuff like culture or economic stat or economic status when they think about when they go out and start calling people fat when they go out and they start talking about the way people look people's health and not thinking about the fact that maybe people can't afford to eat the overpriced produce or maybe when they go to the store it's not there like we said earlier because they're in a food desert where there is no fresh food or people just don't know what they're supposed to be doing in order to remain healthy because their only goal is survival and on top of that Sydney I know I'm pausing again but also considering mental illness in some people because a lot of the weight that I did gain when I gained it was from depression and anxiety which I wouldn't have thought of until I got into therapy which is an exception because most black well I won't say most black people but a lot of black people can't afford to have access to a therapist to figure shit out like that or access to a normal doctor to figure out what health problems may be making it hard for them to lose weight if they're trying or desire to because some people are big and don't want to be small because it's not something to be ashamed of some people are perfectly happy the way that they are and they have the right to be that and not be questioned or seen as less than a person that's very true. Um, I just want to point out that body dysmorphia does not just work in the uh, way of seeing yourself as fatter than you are. It also works for people who are chubbier, seeing themselves as thinner than they actually are. So it, it, it covers both ends of that spectrum. But what I don't want is you guys thinking that we're going to just sit here and glorify fatness um while not because we haven't brought up yet the fact that we're not bringing up um what i like to call for profit fatness now um so what i mean by for profit fatness is essentially when we fetishize the size um of the people that are i guess providing our adult content um 
or just general individuals along with in a way like feeding fetishes. So one of the biggest things that has been taking off with um, the not just the body positivity movement, but as plus size, yeah, like that um, Darlisha, like mukbang culture is kind of glorifying um, food and the consumption of food. So we have started to pay attention and at least in America, I'm not sure outside of the, the country, but we started to pay attention more and more to um, the sheer amounts of food that we're consuming and making it more of a competition in a way. Um, but also the fascination with the amount of food that we are consuming has also grown to become its own its own like adult content segment. So you think back and you have shows like Man versus Food, where we see somebody is literally competitively eating. They don't show the side where he basically was eating like an almond every single day to fucking survive. I just wanted to cut in real quick while you're talking about restaurants because I think that this is a cultural thing with America because like you said we don't just want to glorify it because there are people who are doing it because it's fine with no consideration to the fact that they're probably doing harm to their body not just because of how much they're eating but it's what they're eating and we eat a lot of things in excess um and a lot of countries mock us for it, but we don't give a fuck because it's America and we live our lives like frat boys that are think they're never going to die. We do everything too much. We want the best of everything and we do things as if life has no end. We're not going to run out of shit and there's no end to it all because we're America. And if we need to go take that shit, we don't get it and it'll be fine. I just right. want to make that point. That's the culture. Right. Um. Sorry, Alicia, I'm not trying to skip you. I just want to go back to, to my point real quick. Um, but right, so we, we pay attention to the, the exceeding amount of food that we are now consuming. And in some ways, it has, it has given birth to its own, um, like I was saying before, adult content. So now we go into people who make money make their living off of provide providing excuse me i got stuck on that word providing adult content to other people so people who are taking no regard for their own well-being and their own health and really are just focusing on the aspect of the green that are sitting there and guzzling down gallons of freaking chocolate milk because somebody's paying them a hundred dollars to do it like i'm not talking about situations like that because that is capitalizing off of fatness and I don't think it necessarily helps the fat community in in general um and that goes along with feeding fetishes like I inadvertently encountered somebody that I started dating actually well we went out on one date and I would go as far to say that he had a feeding fetish because it would literally be like we're having a conversation and he would take a piece. We got Bingsu, which is basically like a a snow cone slash ice cream thing, Korean uh, treat. And he took like a spoon of it and I would be in the middle of a sentence and he'd shove that fucking spoon down my throat for me to eat what was inside of the bowl. Um, And... It doesn't help. Like, I feel like the association of, yeah, I'm going to be fine with this. I'm fine with you just shoving something down my throat without consent. Um, 
because I'm fat. Like that's not, it's not going to, it doesn't work that way. Like just because I'm plus size doesn't mean I'm willing to welcome in the middle of my sentence, ice cream running down the gut, my goddamn throat. Um, so yes, but yeah, that legit happened to me. And, and I would say it would be different if it was like one time, but throughout the entire evening, it was like several times where you like, just shove it down uh, the fucking throat. Been stabbed. The cage um, chronicles does not promote violence. <laughs> yeah you gotta keep that running in your head but before i move on to my next part of this i'm gonna go ahead and pass it back to um you lisha go ahead mine is is real quick and it, it probably is gonna lead into what what um you're gonna say next but there's a um i believe and i'm not gonna say his youtube name because i don't want to get his um his race and his culture incorrect, but I believe he's Philippine, uh, Filipino. And he goes around to different parts of the world and he tries the food. And it's very interesting. Shelby brought it up and then you you almost brought it up in your, your conversation. It's very interesting to watch other cultures version of a mukbang for us. And it's funny because that's word, that word is in English. So let's start there. But anyway, one of the food challenges that he experienced was you had to eat a hundred soba noodles. Now, mind you, the portion of the soba noodles, if you if you were on Patreon, you could see my fingers, but you're not. So you can't see my fingers. So I'm going to describe it. It was as if you were eating three spaghetti noodles in a circle. How is eating three spaghetti noodles in a circle compared to our hot dog eating contests, our ice cream eating contests, our chocolate milk eating contests, as Sydney said? It's getting to the point where we take things that are international for us because we're we're in America and we try to explode it for no reason other than to make money and that's okay because you're trying to live the American dream and how else can you live the American dream if you don't have money so let's implode your stomach and call it a day if you throw up at least you have a million followers and have gotten six grand off of it so um Darlisha, yes but again america's i don't think anybody in america is nearly as woke as they think they are and i've been i'm about to hurt somebody's feelings because i've been wanting to say this for a long time y'all hear that sigh that was me about to get this shit off my chest because i get so tired of hearing people who think that they're saying some deep shit and like in the back of your mind you're just thinking about all the shit that they've got wrong while they were talking to you in like two minutes like that's America because we do shit like I don't know fight for black people when it's really cool to do and everybody's loud and you can blend in with the crowd and feel good about yourself but then you turn around and do some shit that don't make sense like um overconsume shit for entertainment uh just because 
you can, which is America's attitude with a lot of shit that doesn't make sense and normally is hurting something or someone else is because this is America. I'm American. I can do what I want. Consequences be damned if it affects somebody or someone else. That's not my problem um, because I have the freedom to do it. But speaking of our overconsumption, I also wanted to go back to Sydney's points, and then you can take it from there, Sydney, um, about fat for profit, because I don't think it should be confused with people who are doing things that quote unquote normal sized people are doing and entering those spaces where people previously told them that they couldn't be, if that makes sense. So like Lizzo, for example, in entertainment, um, at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about Jill Scott, who I don't think anybody on the podcast would argue has never not been a sex symbol, especially if you listen to her music, because her music is sexual. It always has been. The stuff that she put on the radio was appropriate for audiences. But if you actually listen to a Jill Scott CD or whatever, I don't know, I'm old. I got CDs and shit. Um, Sis has always been talking about putting it down in spoken word or song literally always right (laughs) so stuff like plus size strippers stuff like um plus size belly dancers is people entering into spaces where they wanted to fucking be in the first place but somebody told them they weren't worthy of being and if you're black or a person of color or a woman or a poor person or anybody who's not a rich one a rich white man you should be able to relate to that feeling and empathize. But again, we're in America and we're full of some shitty ass people who can't contextualize things. You should work on that, America. Okay, so um, another example of what I'm talking about when I say for for profit fatness, um, it, which is a new term to me. I didn't know this existed until a couple of days ago, but it's the so-called BBLBBW. And the BBLBBW, um, BBWs, I guess I should say, are the women that have the ideal body type um, of a plus size woman. So that is the woman with the big hips, the big ass, the big tits, the flat stomach, the shapely legs, you know, all of those, the, the ones that they essentially put on all of our plus size, like, um magazines and all of that stuff wearing plus size clothing but we all hate it because it doesn't accurately show us what our bodies are going to look like yes we got a plus size model thank you so much but i'm not trying to look and see what a size 12 is going to look like inside of my clothes i would like to see what a size 20 is going to look like inside of these clothes with the tummy but aside from that the the fetishization of BBL BBWs has been growing stronger, stronger, and stronger. As we talked about earlier with the um, Kim Kardashian, the Black Chinas, the Nicki Minaj's that have essentially made or manufactured the bodies that they have, we have seen a rise to an appreciation for that particular body type. Now, for me, I have to admit, I do get a little frustrated when we consider them to be in the BBW slash plus size section. I don't believe they should be there. I think that they should be in the next section down, whatever 
section, I guess, belongs to the slim thicks. Y'all just thick, thick or whatever it is. Well, I'm taking thick back for the fat people, but whatever we want to call them, that's what they can be. There's slim, thick and there's next, you know, next level. That's where y'all should be. But when people say like BBW, I feel like that's the that's the look that they get in their minds. And so the BBL, BBW uh, body type has been increasingly sexualized, which now makes BBWs or actual plus size women. I hate using BBWs, but and men. Actual, um, actual plus size women and men. Um feel like or, or or now we get fetishized in ways and the reason why is for example you go on tinder or you go on whatever the dating sites are whatever you're on and you say yeah i am a plus size or i am bbw and then they go onto your page and they're like oh bbw must mean this then they see you that you're not necessarily the bbw that they're thinking of and they're like okay well you're too big for this or you're not what I necessarily was thinking of when they said BBW, uh, which is why you've seen an increase because plus size women used to say we were thick back in the day. And now we don't say we were thick. Now we feel like we have to separate ourselves from saying thick to no, baby, we are fat because it went from being thick was like the nice way for us to be able to say it. But now if we say we're thick, we're being accused of catfishing or lying about ourselves because thick thick now means something totally different. But unfortunately, with the increase of the fetishization fetishization of the BBLBBWs, we're now starting to see that that is pushing itself onto actual plus size people. But then BBLBBWs are capitalizing off of that. Hence, you see like the TikTok profiles and now a, a place called, I don't know, y'all don't have TikTok, but a place called TikTok now actually exists. And it basically consists of BBL, BBWs, and white women that have somehow decided to put themselves on TikTok, um, showing off their bodies for people's entertainment and for them to make money. But it contributes to the fetishizing of plus size people. It's a social thing, but it only works because people keep buying into it. People like Black China and Kim Kardashian and Nicki Minaj do shit like that because it's how they make money. And it's amoral. Money is not a, it can, it's, can't be moral. Okay. It's a thing that's used for power. And I feel like in most of their minds, they said, this is a thing people and I'm speaking specifically on black people because Kim Kardashian appropriated that shit period but I feel like in a lot of black women's minds they went well they already talk about what black women with big booties they already sexualize our bodies so I might as well exaggerate it make it look the best it can perfect it and monetize it and I'm gonna get my money because that's a get rich quick scheme. It's not that expensive to get done. And you can go be a video vixen in any basic hose video. And that's one of the down, well, 
in my opinion, downfalls of a capitalist society because we're, we're consumers. That's what we are in the eyes of the government and every corporation, everybody living here is a customer and we buy into all of this shit. And in return, they're showing us what is acceptable. And I don't know if that makes sense, but because we accept it when somebody is like, hey, bro, this is the cool thing now. Most of us jump on that shit because we want to be uh, the Jones that everybody is keeping up with. And it's a cycle and it's just getting worse until we break the shit. I don't know another way to say that like all of these problems could be fixed if y'all just dismantled the fucking system. Again, the Cagebird Chronicles does not support or encourage violence when it's not necessary. Just stop falling for the trends. But I mean, there is an inherent benefit to the fact that the the for-profit fatness has taken off because I feel like it is making things a lot more normalized in a way. But we're replacing normalizing with fetishizing. And that's kind of also where I have an issue with that um, as well. But people are benefiting from it now that are a part of the fat community. Um, And so just to be for real, like we said, those people are making money. They're, They're finding ways like one woman, the woman that I mentioned before to y'all that, that literally gets money off of drinking gallons of chocolate milk or something like that. Um, I saw her on like a YouTube page or whatever, a woman that was like before so heavy, it was hard for her to move around and actually make a living for herself now has a means of making a living for herself. So there are some benefits um, out of that. And there's also a benefit in a way to fat phobia because the body positivity movement came out of um, the issues that we've had with fat phobia. And there's a lot of more benefits to the body positivity movement than being fat, because it also has allowed for the beautification of people with disabilities or, or skin issues or something like that, being proud of oneself and what and, and of your own body. So that is definitely a beautiful thing that's come out of fat phobia, which is, is great. But at the same time, we shouldn't even have the need to have this even exist. Yeah, I blame Dana because she said it at the beginning of the episode and now it's sticking that it starts with Black people because I feel like the fat phobia argument, the body positivity argument, like a lot of these things, including we always make the comparison that like the LGBTQ a plus stuff would not happen and couldn't exist without civil rights for black people. Um, but if we didn't have those conversations first, we wouldn't probably be focusing as hard as we are right now on stuff like fat phobia and body image. And like you said, it's not just fat phobia now because black people apparently are fucking trendsetters. Once we said, oh no, um, we love our darker skinned sisters and we love our natural hair and we love our African prints and things that come from our culture. We're not as interested as assimilating into 
what is the American beauty standard anymore. We want to be us because we're happy that way. And we don't really care what everybody else has to say. That gave, I feel like other people, even if they won't admit it, the power to, for all intents and purposes, uh, piggyback and hop on the bandwagon and move it to another cause because it happens every time. Every time we have a cause or we have something that we feel like we need to speak up against and change or alter, it becomes a trend and it moves on to something else. So I just wanted to make the point that all of these conversations would not happen um, if Black people didn't start some shit. You're welcome. And on that note, we're going to move on to why it matters that Black people start some shit and this is why it happens. Essentially, to just kind of put a nice little bow on this entire conversation, whether you are a person that understands and believes that, you know, fat phobia is a great thing, whether you hate it, whether you're indifferent, whatever your viewpoint is on what we talked about today, the reality of the situation is a person is going to be who a person wants to be. Love the person that they're in. Have your preference. By no means are we telling you that you can't have a preference of who you find sexually attractive. That wasn't this whole conversation. If that's all you got out of it, then start over. You may not find racist sexually attractive. It is against the rules. I don't make them. I just report them. (laughs) (laughs) Have your preference, but don't hate on somebody else. And don't try to fantasize it to fit into your preference either. Make your money, sis. But make your money in your own space. Don't go intruding on someone else's space and try to push them out of your out of their space just because in the moment it fits what you're saying. It's not okay. It's never been okay. It will never be okay. Stop. Because it ain't cute. And this is why we have podcasts like so because we're here to tell you that it's not okay. And two, if you're going to create a standard of beauty, can we make the standard of beauty align instead of trying to go up and down and every year it's something else? This year it's going to be fat asses. Next year we're going to go back to making good bodies. The year after that it's going to be something else. You're going to draw on your eyebrows. You're going to shave your eyebrows. You're going to have eyebrows like me, big old caterpillars. Like, let the standard of beauty be beauty is in the eye of the beholder and leave it alone. Beauty to me is not beauty to you. And guess what? That's oh fucking K. Because we're not the same person. My husband will not be attractive to you. Whether he's attractive to you or not, he's not attractive to you because I said so. I'm so, <laughs> so your call to action this week is um, per usual. I feel like at least 50% of our episodes is to mind your motherfucking business. I feel like that's like a Kevin Hart line. Mind your motherfucking business. Yeah, that is usually the lesson. And 
I know Darlisha said something about being consistent with the uh, beauty standard, but much like gender roles, we should probably just go ahead and give that a little hee-ho, heave-ho out the door, okay, and say goodbye and slam the fucking door, okay? Say goodbye to beauty standards because they're bullshit and they're subjective. And if you do that and you mind your business and you cuss people out when they don't do the same, then a lot of our problems would be solved. And that's on period poo. Try it. I guarantee you the shit will work. 100% guaranteed. It's amazing the things you learn when you mind your business. It's amazing the things you avoid when you mind your motherfucking business. Like you don't get cussed out. Right. You see what happens? You minded your business and I didn't cuss you out. Like you want to know the secret to immortality in the face? You want to know the secret to this melanin? It's minding our fucking business. Black people do mind a lot of our own business. That is true. We do mind our own business. <laughs> we mind each other's business. Oh, Jesus, any last words? I think he fell asleep. I think we lost him. Oh, Lord. No, not you, baby. Okay. Well, this week we sang about fat phobia on the cage bird. Keep an ear and an eye out. For our community project, the Ujama List, I love saying that every week, y'all. It just feels good to my soul. Our endeavor in collective economics. Be sure to keep an ear out for our new website and merchandise coming soon. So excited. We will make sure to keep you all updated. Want us to address something you haven't heard on the podcast yet? Slide into our DMs on Instagram at the Pod. And that is a wrap on this episode of the Cage Bird Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Links to everything we've discussed in this episode are in the show notes. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Cage Bird Pod. Subscribe to our Patreon and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can expect our podcast to be released weekly for your enjoyment. Bye!